0: to see you tonight. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open up with me now to the book of Acts chapter 1 this evening. Acts chapter 1. If you're joining us here for the first time on Wednesday night, God bless you. Welcome. Glad to have you here. The last several weeks, we have been in a series of studies on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And this evening, we are now in the third installment of that series, with a message entitled, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we do thank you this evening for your word, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you have not left us alone. Lord, you have left us the comforter, the helper to come alongside and we ask now, as is one of his roles, to open up our understanding, to comprehend the scriptures, that he would teach us, Lord, as we read through your word and study it together. And Lord, we pray that there would be no distractions tonight, but we'd be able to truly focus our attention upon your word and the truth that's found within it. And we ask this together in Jesus' name, amen. In the first study we had together, in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, we began by looking at the identity of the Holy Spirit, who he is in his deity, considering his divine attributes as revealed in Scripture. Then we looked at his personality and how that he can be resisted, grieved, quenched, ignored, lied to, resisted, even blasphemed. But in our second study, we then began to consider not just who the Holy Spirit is, but rather what the Holy Spirit does. Specifically, his work within the world. How that he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. Then we looked at his work within the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God seals us, teaches us, sanctifies us, comforts us, and at times convicts us. But this evening, we want to consider the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When reading through the Old Testament, you find that individuals being endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit was a rarity. In Judges chapter 13, we see one of the judges whose name was Samson. It says, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahane, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 16, another Old Testament example. It says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Priests, prophets, kings, certain individuals who had the power of the spirit Upon their lives. But even though it was rare within the Old Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit's power was promised by the prophets. In Joel chapter 2, in verses 28 and 29, Joel prophesied and said, It shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. Shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This was a promise made in the Old Testament that one day the Spirit of God would be poured out. But when you come to the New Testament, you discover that the power of the Holy Spirit is now available to every believer in Jesus Christ. During the ministry of John the Baptist, in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John was baptizing there by the Jordan. And John, it says, answered and said to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's ministry, it was powerful, but it was limited. There was only so much that John was able to do, but there was one he pointed to, one that was coming after him who would do a different kind of baptism completely, not with water, but with fire. A baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, in verse 33, John said again, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John was speaking about one who would come, who would baptize with fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then after Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, John said, that's the one. The one who told me to come and baptize in the Jordan also revealed to me that when you see the Spirit descending in the form of a dove, that's the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Joel prophesied concerning it. John the Baptist pointed to it. But then we find that when the ministry of Jesus began, He had been empowered by the spirit and he began to minister within the power of the spirit. That in John chapter seven, that Jesus was in the temple area and it says that on the last day, that is the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now John's gospel, John is writing looking back. He's writing looking back at what happened on that day. And so he records the words of Jesus, but then he gives commentary and understanding as to what Jesus was referring to when he said those words. For John goes on to say, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John the Baptist pointed to it. Jesus also pointed to it and said that it would be like rivers of living water flowing out from you, not just in filling you, but really overflowing your life. That is the experience with the work of the Holy Spirit. But then in John chapter 14, as the ministry of Jesus continued, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going away. They didn't understand what he meant. They could not discern. They did not understand. They weren't even able to talk about it. It troubled them so much. Jesus knew that they were troubled, and so he began to speak to them about the one he would send to them who would come alongside of them and help them, the comforter, the paraclete. He was referring to the Holy Spirit, and in John 14, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, That he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But notice this, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus described for his disciples here in John 14 a twofold relationship that the believer would have with the Spirit of God. He will be with you. That's the Greek word para. And then he will be in you, the Greek word en. He made a promise that he would not leave them alone. Notice, please, that Jesus said there in John 14 that the Holy Spirit was dwelling with them, alongside of them. At that moment, he's with you. You know him. And yet, the Spirit would be more than just with the disciples. Soon, he would indwell the disciples. Before a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit is at work seeking to draw that person to Jesus that they might receive salvation. The Spirit of God is the one that convicts us of our sin, helps us to see our need for a Savior. He is, in that sense, with us, seeking to draw us. He uses circumstances. He uses people. He uses the Word of God. He bears witness on our own conscience, seeking to convict us, seeking to draw us to Christ. Listen, without the work of the Holy Spirit, no one gets saved. You don't get saved apart from the Spirit of God working and drawing you. And everybody here tonight who has been born again is born of the Spirit, the Bible says. It's the Spirit of God that convicted us of sin. It's the Spirit of God that drew us to Jesus. It's the Spirit of God that made us aware of the fact that we needed a Savior. He is with us. The Greek word is para. But then, Jesus also said the Holy Spirit will be in you. When you come to Christ and you receive him as your Savior, repenting of your sin, the Holy Spirit then is within you. He seals you. You're a child of God. His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, the Bible says that we are children of God. He's now in you. Every individual who has been born again has been born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now in them. He has taken up residency within our lives. God making his home within our heart. The Bible talks about we the temple of the Holy Spirit, where he chooses to dwell. Think about that. It's mind-boggling to consider, but the fact is, the Bible makes it clear, the Spirit of God takes up residency within the life of the believer when they respond to the gospel. He is with you, but he is also in you. The question is this, when did that happen for the disciples? When, when did that take place in their life? I'll tell you, John chapter 20 in verse 22. When they went from the Holy Spirit with them, to the Holy Spirit in them. John chapter 20, here's what it says. And when Jesus, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus had died. Jesus has resurrected. He now speaks to his disciples. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. John is, by the way, the only one who records this meeting that Jesus had with his disciples. And this is the only occurrence of the Greek word breathed in the New Testament. It's the same word that's used in the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament into Greek back in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, where God breathed into Adam the breath of life. What Jesus did in John chapter twenty is reminiscent of what God did in creating Adam and Eve. But this act was done by his son. He gave his disciples the Holy Spirit. And the Greek language, it's far more expressive in describing the action that that could be translated in English. Jesus used the aorist tense, meaning he breathed on them and said, receive it right now. And if Jesus says it, I believe it happened. They received it. He breathed on them. It happened. They were now gone from the Spirit of God being with them to the Holy Spirit being in them. There was this move from para to an in the Greek right there in John chapter 20. They were born again. The work of the cross was complete, the resurrection had taken place. It was only a matter of time before Jesus ascended. When you come to Jesus as a new believer, again, the Spirit of God takes up residency within your life. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You belong to Jesus. You are part of the body of Christ. You have experienced regeneration through the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there are some who suggest and even teach that when you get saved, you receive all that you're going to receive of the Holy Spirit right then and there, at that very moment. And they also would go on to say that regeneration and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are one and the same experience. And to prove their points, they refer to the writings of the Apostle Paul. For example, one scripture that is often quoted, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, and it says this, Verse 12 and 13, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one, one body also is Christ. Then at verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So they look at that passage and they read what Paul wrote to the Corinthians and they say, there it is. It happens all at once. When, when Jesus talked about this, you're baptized into the body of Christ. And they suggest that the baptism of the Spirit is that which makes us part of the body of Christ. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11... John is prophesying the coming of Jesus and declares concerning him that he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was baptizing people in water. John was the baptizer. Water was the element, and repentance of sin was the issue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit is the baptizer, and the issue is initiation into the body of Christ. However, the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is where Jesus is the baptizer, and the Holy Spirit would be the element, and the issue would be the power to be his witness. It's something completely different. That passage is not speaking of the same thing. It's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ. It's talking about being baptized into the body of Christ, and by that it means you are immersed. You are now a part of the church when you get saved, the family of God, but it's a different passage. Another passage that they will refer to to deny the baptism of the Holy Spirit as separate from being regenerated in salvation. They quote from Ephesians chapter four in verses three through six, where Paul writes, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In this epistle, Paul is referencing the need for the church to be united and not be divided. He's actually warning in the context of the passage about the type of Factualism that can happen oftentimes in denominations. I'm of this person. I'm of that person. That was a problem in some of the churches, specifically in Corinth. He's warning them, "Hey, listen. Endeavor to be of one mind. Remember this. It's not I'm of this person. I'm of that person. There's one faith, the faith. There's one baptism. It's you're baptized in the body of Christ. Don't be dividing and compartmentalizing from one another. Again, that passage right there in Ephesians is not referring to the baptism with the Holy Spirit." These passages that some refer to in trying to dismiss the baptism of the Holy Spirit are referring to other things entirely different than what John referred to, what Joel prophesied, what Jesus mentioned. Jesus made it very clear that there is another aspect to our relationship as believers that we can have with the Holy Spirit. The disciples, the Spirit was with them and in them. But there was another aspect. There was another part of this relationship to the Holy Spirit, which Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 24 in verse 49. Listen to what it says. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, Jesus had breathed on them. They received it. It happened right now. And yet, he tells them, now what I want you to do is I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for power from on high. I thought we received everything we were going to receive when you breathed on us. Apparently not. There was more that was to be given. More that they needed for the work that Jesus was calling them to. Jesus said in John 14, he'll be with you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. But now he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power to come upon them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's where we began. Jesus said to his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Notice that word, upon you. It's a different Greek word. It's the word epi in the Greek and you shall be my witnesses. This is the third Greek preposition that Jesus uses concerning now the Spirit coming upon you or over you, where the Spirit of God empowers the believer for service. It is an overflowing work of the Holy Spirit, flowing forth from my life. It's the word dunamis. That word for power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, a dynamic power, of God's Spirit, working through my life, touching those around me. Jesus said, you're gonna receive it. It's gonna come upon you. It's one thing to have the Spirit with you. Another thing to have the Spirit in you, but it's something even more to have the Holy Spirit come upon your life and empower you. Again, the disciples were saved. They were born again. They were sealed with the Spirit. They were believers However, they had not yet experienced the coming upon of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They were given a promise that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And now they were to go to Jerusalem and wait for it. R.A. Torrey defined the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this way. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God coming upon the believer taking possession of his faculties, imparting to him gifts, not naturally his own, but which qualify him for the service to which God has called him. As the disciples went to Jerusalem and they waited, turn the page to Acts chapter two and notice what it says. In verse one, They're waiting, they're born again, sealed with the Spirit. Then it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, And one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Holy Spirit came upon the early church, there in the upper room, it says they were all filled. And following this, there was a manifestation on the day of Pentecost. They spoke with Different dialects, different tongues. We'll talk about that later on when we get to the giftings of the Spirit. But those who were there in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost were unsure of what had taken place. The Bible says that some were confused, others mocked, and there were others who were perplexed and even amazed. What had happened? Some of them even said they're drunk with wine. These guys are intoxicated. Peter responded to the questions of the people. He stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit, and with a new boldness, he gave a biblical explanation and then a gospel presentation. In verse 16 of chapter 2. Peter describes what had taken place. And let's see if you can make the connection. But this, Peter said, is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. The people were saying, What is happening here? What is going on with these people coming out of the upper room, speaking all of these wonderful works of God and praises to Him? Peter stands up and says, Let me explain what this is. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He has a biblical precedent for what he's doing. He says, this is something that was prophesied in Scripture. Listen, folks, if we're gonna do something in the name of the Holy Spirit, we better be able to say, this is what was spoken of in the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit will never contradict himself. People doing things in the name of the Holy Spirit that are not the Holy Spirit because they have no biblical basis for it, it's not the Holy Spirit. I don't care if gold dust coming out the sky or you know ash coming out of their mouth or whatever it is that they're doing, saying the Holy Spirit's doing that or tunnels of fire and these things you run through And all these bizarre things that you hear about, listen, you can scrap it all because it's not here in the Word. It's got to be in the Bible, guys. The Holy Spirit's not going to contradict himself. It's important to understand that. Peter says, this is that. This is what? What Joel said. Here's what was prophesied. This is what John the Baptist pointed to. This is what Jesus said would happen, and we're experiencing it. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. What Joel prophesied, what John the Baptist pointed to, what Jesus promised, it's now come to pass and it is available for all. Peter then preached this powerful, convicting gospel message and 3,000 people that day were added to the church. They responded to the death of Christ, the resurrection, and when he was done, they responded in verse 37 of this chapter. It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, follow along, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, notice who it's for. Please do not miss this. For the promise is to you, and to your children, and, did it end with the apostles? Notice what he says. And to all who are afar off, those who will come later, as many as the Lord our God will call. I point that out to say there are those that say, hey, listen, the whole work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles. That, that, was, some, that was apostolic. It's not happening anymore. What Peter says, it's not just for us. It's not just for those who are here, but those who are gonna come later, those who are afar off. As many as the Lord will call, well, here we are. That's us. That applies to us. Which means it is for us. God's not done. It's a, sad, it's a sad and tragic thing in the church today. On two points, if I could say this. In one sense, when you see the abuses of what are going on in the name of the Holy Spirit and turns people off immediately from desiring any work of the Holy Spirit, anything, as soon as you mention the Holy Spirit, people get a little shaky, a little nervous. They want to run out because they're waiting for something wacky to occur. And it's unfortunate because that cuts people off from the power supply of the Spirit of God. The promise, The gift. It's like it shuts it down. Then you have the other side of it where people don't teach it at all. It's a rarity to find pastors preaching on the work of the Holy Spirit. They want to skip over certain passages of Scripture because it, but it says it here, but we don't want to talk about that. I don't want anybody to get it. But, but the problem is that also hinders people because they're not learning. They may learn a lot of knowledge. They might have a lot of insight on certain things in the Bible. But listen, guys, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible promised. And so it's important Now we understand, Peter made it clear, this is a work of the Holy Spirit that was promised and prophesied in the Scriptures. Folks, we believe, based upon the record of Scripture, that there is indeed a secondary, subsequent work to salvation and empowering of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Call it what you will, we need it. And it's available. It did not stop with the apostles. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, you remember the church began to suffer persecution. And suddenly, the message of the gospel was now finally going into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Philip, One of the dynamic deacons that was selected to serve tables is now heading down into the region of Samaria and a revival breaks out. I love it because it says he went down there and he preached Jesus to them. That's the subject that should be preached. If people are going to get saved, it's not come to my church and check it out. It's awesome. It's Jesus Christ crucified. That's the message that needs to be preached. So important to make that clear. You're going to love the vibe. It's so sick. You're going to be really. No, 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 no. Christ crucified. Resurrected. A revival breaks out. They're believers. They respond. They're saved. They're baptized in water. And then Peter and John come down. And they pray over the people. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard That Samaria had received the word of God and they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them. Why? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were Christians. They were believers. They were born again. But they had not yet experienced... If they got it all when they got saved, why didn't they get it all when they got saved? Because they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So when they laid hands on them, they received. They re- I love those words. They received it. It's a gift. They received it. The Holy Spirit. They were converted. But then after that, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Another example. Think of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Saul was persecuting the church, breathing out threats, held the coats of those who murdered the first martyr of the church whose name was Stephen. And as he was given papers in his hand to go and imprison more believers, remember that as he was making his way down the road to Damascus to arrest believers, he was arrested by the Lord. And there he was blinded. Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And he responded and said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me to do? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecuted. Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Blinded, he was led into the city, and there he waited for a few days. And the Lord moved upon the heart of one of his servants to go and pray for Saul of Tarsus. Ananias was his name. And Ananias was reluctant. He was informing the Lord as if the Lord didn't know who he asked him to go pray for. Saul of Tarsus, Saul? Lord, I don't know if you know this. He's been persecuting people? Like, is that a good idea? What do you think? I mean, it's just humor sometimes how we inform the Lord of things he already knows about. But the Lord said, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to stand before kings and rulers. and I mean, go and pray for him. So Ananias goes in, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way. He entered the house. Look at what it says. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Born again. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, As you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened. It doesn't say what happened after that, if he spoke in tongues or whether he did or not. Well, Again, we'll talk more about that when we get there. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. After conversion, Brother Saul experienced the coming upon experience that was prophesied by Joel, that John the Baptist pointed to, that Jesus promised, that the apostles experienced, that those in Samaria also experienced. Later on, the message of the gospel went to the Gentiles. You know, when the church first started, it was predominantly Jewish. It was in Jerusalem. The Jews were the first ones to get saved. And the whole thought of taking the message to the Gentiles, nah. I mean, that, that was completely culturally something. I mean, they didn't think kindly of Gentiles. I mean, the Lord he wants to save, save the Gentiles too? Yes. And so, as the message went out, you remember Peter was there in Joppa on the roof of Simon the Tanner, Waiting for lunch, and he had a vision. Remember, and he saw this white sheet coming down and out of the sky, and all of these unclean animals. And he thought, that, I don't know if I'm just seriously hungry or no. He was. He saw all these unclean animals that Jewish people would never eat. That was like a nightmare to a Jewish person, right? He sees all these unclean animals, and he hears the Lord say, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." Oh. Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. The Lord said, What I have cleansed, don't call common. He saw this vision more than once. That's the weirdest thing. That is so strange. What does that mean? And then there was a knock at the door. And the Lord said, Go down, go with these men, doubt nothing. So he goes downstairs and he meets with these men. They're Gentiles. And they begin to tell him about this guy named Cornelius, who's of the Italian regiment, and he's he's he fears God, and he's built a synagogue, and you got to come talk to him. He's he's seen a vision; an angel appeared to him and said, "Send you, send for you," and you were going to tell him everything he needs to know. So Peter goes, "All right, the Lord told me to go with you. I'm going with you." So they go, and he travels down with them. He goes to the home of home of Cornelius. Now Cornelius, he's not yet a believer. But he fears God. He's seeking the Lord. By the way, God has ways of getting all the people that you might know nothing about. We went, Lord, get their attention. God was working in Cornelius' heart. He was working in Peter's heart, and he was going to bring them together. God has his people everywhere. There may be people you're concerned about tonight that aren't saved. The Holy Spirit moves on people to, to minister to people that you and I could never minister to or those people that we're praying for. So they, the Lord brings them together. And right when Cornelius sees Peter, I mean, he falls down. Oh, Peter's like, hey, get up, get up, get up. Don't don't worship me. I mean, he was just so in awe of Peter. And Peter didn't say, kiss my ring or any of that. (laughs) He didn't. He said, get up. I'm just like you. I'm just a man. Good call, Peter. Way to go. How we got that confused? He's at the home of Cornelius. And while he's there, It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, look at this, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, that is the other Jews that Peter brought with him, who believed, they were astonished as many as came with Peter because, why were they astonished? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And those who heard them speak with tongues, magnify God. Peter said, uh, Can anyone forbid that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Now, when Peter goes home, he's got some explaining to do. Because the Jews back in Jerusalem were like, you, you went where? He says, with Gentiles, into their house, you ate with them? Peter, what what were you thinking? So Peter starts to explain what happens, and in Acts chapter 11, he's like, guys, you got, let me just, let me help you understand what happened. And he retells the whole story about it all happened. My vision, I saw these unclean things, and I went over to Cornelius came to my house, and he fell down, you know, he's just going through the whole thing. It's funny, you read the book of Acts, like he just, there's a repeat but what he does is he gives us insight when he get to verse 16 because he says, and I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And notice this, please notice this. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should withstand God? When the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles, where did Peter's mind go? Immediately to what John the Baptist had said. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He made that connection. And pointed it out. But then you come to Acts 19. The story goes on. And in Acts 19. Verse 1. The Holy Spirit is still working. And it says it happened. That while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul having passed through the upper regions. Came to Ephesus. Now now we're, we're moving from Saul of Tarsus to now Paul the Apostle. He's out planting churches. He's on his missionary journeys. We're fast forwarding many years, many travels, many churches. But you get here to Acts 19, and he's making his way up now to Ephesus, to the upper regions, and it says, and finding some disciples. Disciples. Make note of that. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. He asked the disciples. I don't know what it was that he saw. He's up there in Ephesus. Something's absent. Something's arise, Something's not right. They're believers. They're disciples, but something's missing. I don't, I don't know what that was. The Bible doesn't say what it was. Was there a lack of joy? Was there a lack of power? Was there a lack of, I don't know what it was, but something was missing. And I think there's ways even to discern times in people's lives that something's missing. And it very well could be the Holy Spirit. I could discern it in my own life because there was a season in my life many years ago when I, I, just like these people in Ephesus, look at what it says. He asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Sadly, there are some places like that. And so he said to them, well, into what then were you baptized? They said, well, into John's baptism. That's the baptism of repentance, of course, from sin. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and Now they're baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They're disciples. They're followers of Christ. They got all they got right there. No, actually, if you go on a little bit further, it says when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Same word, came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and they prophesied different giftings. Now the men were about 12 in all. Here again, We see this example. Paul says, did you receive it? Something's not right. And that's maybe a question to ask you tonight. Have you received the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about with you and in you. I'm talking about coming upon you. And let me say this, you would know it. It's an experience with the Holy Spirit. You would know it. I mean, the fact that Paul asked the question, have you, implies that it's an experience. You would have to know whether you had or not. And people will say, "Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know." Well, if you if you can't say yes, then then the answer is no. I don't think so. I'm not sure. If you're not sure, then I would say you, you. It's probable that you haven't. The question that Paul raises brings up an important scenario. That is, this that it's possible to be born again and not be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm just reading what the Bible says. That's what it says. That's the implication. To be saved, and yet not to have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. They were believers, but the next thing, what you gain from this insight, the next thing to follow was the empowering of the Holy Spirit within their lives. They believed, but now they needed to be empowered. And so they said, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, they found out that there was. And so Paul baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then prayed for them to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Bible also mentions not just the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is, folks, listen, you do not want, I, you don't want to live the Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to serve the Lord without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also mentions a refilling of the Spirit. Did you know that? Again, taking you back to Acts, in Acts chapter two, we saw they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. However, same guys, a few chapters over, Acts chapter four, when they were experiencing persecution. Do you remember? You need to see this, and it might show on the board, but if you want to see it for yourself, look in your Bible. Acts chapter four, verse 31. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's also a refilling. A refill? Constant refills, folks. Constant refills. (laughs) a blessing. They were being persecuted. They stood before the Sanhedrin. And they had been warned already to not preach in the name of Jesus anymore. However, they continued. They said, we can't help but continue to preach and teach about Jesus. We've seen it. We've heard it. There's no- we're not going to stop, in other words. And so when they were preaching again, you remember They beat them. And they went out rejoicing, the Bible says, that they were counterworthy to suffer for his name. But they prayed when they were being persecuted. They needed fresh boldness. This was like next level. It's one thing to preach on the day of Pentecost. It's another thing to be persecuted and possibly put to death. And so... It says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4 when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were already filled with the Holy Spirit, they're already baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, what's this? A fresh filling. For for a new assignment. This is some, I, I and as a Christian, can I encourage you if you're a believer tonight? Ask the Lord, Lord, fill me afresh with Your Spirit, Lord. This is this is I I don't know how to deal with this. I'm not sure what to do, Lord. Please, fill me afresh. This might be a new assignment, a new thing, Lord. Your resources are inexhaustible. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit today, and He did it. This is what the baptism with the Holy Spirit is. But what does it provide? Why is it important? Why would I need it? Jesus said that you might be my witnesses to the world. Being a witness to the world, based upon the words of Jesus, requires the power of the Holy Spirit to do it effectively. To be an effective witness for Christ, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. You might have a lot of intellectual knowledge, but if the Spirit of God isn't empowering it, then you've got a lot of facts that are flying out, but you need the Spirit of God working in and through you. So I need the power to be his witness. I need the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, to overcome the flesh. You fight the flesh every single day. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. I can't do that in my, I can't fight the flesh with the flesh. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. It enables us to serve the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit, a necessity, a blessing, a promise, a gift. Another question that often comes up What does one need to do to get the Holy Spirit? What do I need to do? I mean, is there like a special something or other? I can, what do I do? How do I get it? Well, First of all, you have to be a Christian. You gotta be a believer in Jesus Christ. You gotta be born again of the Spirit. in order to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You gotta be born again. That's the first place to start. But if you're a Christian here tonight, I think one of the things that's important to consider is repentance. Repentance. Peter said in Acts 2, it started with repentance. Repentance means a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of mentality, perspective. I I need to repent. Of what? anything that stands in the way of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. A turning away from sin that hinders the work of the Holy Spirit. There may be a desire for the power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, an unwillingness to turn from that which is hindering the work of the Spirit. There has to be repentance. And so, like David said, search me, O God, try me, Know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I sit before the Lord and say, God, if there's something in my life right now, the sin that is in good standing, in my opinion, sin that stands in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, show me what that is. Well, I don't see any big things. What about the little things? I, don't, what, I, I guarantee you. I know by experience. Asking the Lord, show me what I need to repent of. He does. Oh, that, Lord? Yeah, I repent of that. Okay. Just repenting, just being honest before the Lord. Lord, I turn from that. Some people say, I want the Holy Spirit in my life, but I don't want to turn from sin. Listen, friend, it starts with repentance. You got to turn from sin. But then a second thing. Just in thinking this through. Obedience. Obedience. A surrender of my will to his will. Again, a common mistake I think that we make is I want the Holy Spirit to work in my life, to fill my life, but I am unwilling to obey what he's asking me to do in my life. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Empower me, Holy Spirit. But Don't ask me to do anything that might make me uncomfortable. Obedience. What has the Lord already spoken to you? What has he told you to do? Have you done that? Have I done that? Am I willing to say, God, I surrender my will to yours? It's not, Holy Spirit, fill me so I can be this amazing. No, no, no. Lord, whatever you want. I just want to obey you with my life. I just humble myself before you and just, I repent. And Lord, I want to be obedient to you, whatever that is. And then Ask. Ask. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Oh, I love this passage. We've seen it over and over. Receive it. They received it. It was a gift. Receive it. Jesus said, I say to you. This is is the words of Jesus who made this promise. I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. You will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. And then Jesus reasons from the lesser to the greater. Listen to what he says. If a son asks for bread for many among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? If your son asks you for an egg... Will you offer him a scorpion? I mean, that's a terrible parent if that's what you do. Dad, I'm so hungry. Can I have a sandwich? No, here's a rock. I'll go chew on this. Dad, I'm so hungry. Can I have some eggs? No, but we have a scorpion here. You can, uh, it's alive. You're going to have to, a lot of protein in it. No, you, I mean, you're a terrible parent if you did that. He's re- no parent would do that. He's, he's reasoning from the lesser to the greater. If we being evil, he goes on to say, Know how to give good gifts to our children. Listen to this. How much more will your heavenly father, listen, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He knows my need. He knows that I am incapable of overcoming the flesh of being a faithful witness, of walking in the Spirit, apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So it's not like he's dangling the Holy Spirit over me. Come on, John, come on. Jump through the hoop, boy, come on. All right, whoa, no, you're not gonna, you want the Holy Spirit? Oh, no, you're not gonna get it. You want, it. oh, forget it. That's not the way the Lord is. It's as if he's saying, Just ask me, just ask me for it and I will give it freely, give it, ask finally, receive it by faith, by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anybody that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. It's by faith. Well, what's it gonna look like? You just receive it by faith. Well, am I gonna just, just receive it by faith? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's in the scriptures. The spirit of God has not stopped working. We still need power from on high and it's still available the question is have you experienced that listen and I'll conclude with this and then we'll pray and that is I've shared this with you before but if you haven't heard it let me share it again it does my heart good I was 18 years old at a chapel service, the church that I grew up at from 1974 to 1994, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. It's in my senior year of high school there. It was Spiritual Emphasis Week, which for you Christian school attenders, that means the whole week just chapels. <laughs> and in one sense, you're thankful because means less school work. <laughs> so carnal. So carnal <laughs> in my mind, right? But God was speaking to me that week. Different speakers coming, sharing the word, and so it's spiritual emphasis week. And there was one service toward the end of that week. <sighs> when at the conclusion. They said, hey, listen. They, they explained what I just explained to you. And I don't even know if they explained it in that much detail. But they talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they just simply said, hey, if there's any of you kids, wanna stick around afterwards, just come down here and we're gonna pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was like, all right. I don't know why I stuck around that day. But I did. Maybe again, the thought was, I get out of more class if I stay here. You know, it's my senior year. I just wanted to get out of there. But the Lord had something more for me. And so myself, maybe a handful of kids, five, six, we just went up to the front. All the other kids were gone, out of the sanctuary. I sat on the steps. I'm like, all right, what's gonna happen? Something crazy gonna happen now? What's gonna happen? Something gonna breathe on us? Something gonna push us down? What's going to happen? But it was nothing like that. It was almost uneventful in the sense of nobody waved their hand or did anything strange. Or I'm serious. I don't even remember who these people were. Just some older people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that. I, just, I, I know that for sure. And they just prayed over us. And it happened. I mean, it's just like, it just happened. I don't even know how to describe it. How do you describe it? How do you describe the wind? You can just see the effect of it. It just happened. Every time I talk about it, I always get teary because it's, it's real. It's, it's still as real today as it was then. I'm living with the effect of it at the present time. Still. At 47. I'm still living with it. It's real. It's real. And I, and I daily pray, fresh filling, Lord, fill me afresh with the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want, I want to walk in the power of the Spirit, not for my glory, but for yours. I want to see you continue to use my life. Fill me up, pour me out, fill me up, pour me out, God. I mean, it's just this, this, something you can't manufacture in your flesh. It's something that the Holy Spirit has to do. But I can honestly say that, I mean, I have never been the same since. Oh, I'm not saying, oh, I've, I've arrived. I'm perfect. No, my wife's here. She'll tell you it's not true. Oh, not <laughs> but I'm definitely different. I see things differently. My life is different. My calling in my life is totally different than what I would have ever picked for myself. So, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Only you can answer that question. But I want to pray for you tonight. Simple, simple prayer. Believing by faith that God will do it just like he promised. I'm going to ask Zach to come up. We're going to close out. And what I'd like to do, going just a little bit over tonight. But what I'd like to do is as Zach plays this song, what I'd like you to do is just pray through those things. Lord, is there anything in my life tonight that I've overlooked, that I've made provision for as it relates to the flesh or just in a cycle of repeated sin, just repent of that. And then in that prayer, just Lord, I mean, if you're serious about it, just Lord, I surrender to you tonight. I want to be obedient to you. And then I'm just going to ask you tonight after the song just play. Just don't take a couple minutes to pray. I'm just going to ask you to get up out of your seat. Just come stand below the platform. I'm just going to pray pray for you. Nothing weird, nothing strange. Just, just praying for you. And we're going to ask and we're going to receive because it's a promise. So I'm into taking him at his word and receiving the If it's a promise, than I want it, because he promised. So let's just quiet our hearts as Zach leads us in a song, and let's worship and pray those things in, and then when he's through, I'll ask you to get up and come, and stand here, and then I'll pray for you, and we'll just go before the Lord. Let's just let's do that now.
1: Desperate for you, desperate for.
0: that's you tonight. Just quickly get up out of your seat. Just come stand below the platform here and love to pray for you tonight. Just kind of huddle in. Just come on up. I'm gonna pray for you. Father, you see every person here that you died for, that you bled for. And Lord, you said in your word that you would give if we would ask. And Lord, you never go back on your word. And so on the authority of your word that you hold above your name, the promise that you gave us, Lord, we believe it. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are standing here, they're asking for the Spirit of God to come upon them. Lord, That you would do that tonight, right now in this moment. Come upon them, Lord. Baptize them with the fire that you said you would baptize them with, right now. Lord, the giftings of the Spirit that you want to impart. As your word says, you distribute them according to your will. Lord, impart those giftings as well. Speak into their hearts and minds what those are, Lord. Lord, for callings perhaps that you have on those here tonight that maybe they've never would have ever thought that in their minds. Lord, speak to them. Lord, speak to them by your spirit. You baptize them, Lord. And Lord, I ask that in the days following today, tonight, that the fruits of the Spirit would be manifest, that the love of Jesus would be seen, a passion for the lost, Thank you, Lord, for hearing us tonight. Lord, we receive from you. We receive it, God. Baptize us, Lord. Fall upon us, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that fires of revival would be started in our hearts, God. I would cover this county cover this city cover this state and this country Lord so Lord we receive it we thank you for it and now we walk in it tonight give you all the praise, we give you all the glory. And in the name of Jesus, we say, Amen. Amen. Amen, you guys. Praise the Lord, huh? Praise God. Wow. Filled with the Holy Spirit. May God help us to walk in that. May the giftings of the Holy Spirit that God's imparted to you tonight, may he reveal what those are. That you just see them. And I tell you, it's so interesting because it's it's supernatural, but it's very natural. It's a supernatural gifting, but it's a, it's a natural revelation of those giftings. So I tell you what, I am so excited tonight to see so many people standing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm anticipating God just doing some amazing things, personally. I'm like, wow. Man. Thank you, Jesus. So, love you guys. God bless you. Why don't we all stand together? And I've gone way over. So, love a children's ministry worker, please. Please encourage them. Say, thank you. Say, I was baptized with the Spirit tonight. Thank you for watching my baby. So, um, if you have children, if you just go on and down and get them. And um, love you guys. God bless you. Looking forward to this weekend, um, continuing through book of Romans. And uh, Keep keep praying for that. I'm um, also. Can I just encourage you? Now we're all baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's. Can, can you pray for this men's conference coming up? That's right around the corner for us. Be keeping that in prayer. Over 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 4,200 men have already registered, pre-registered. So, which is exciting. So um, we just pray the Lord continues to provide and pour out His Spirit, but. Anyways, you guys, excited to see what God's gonna do in the days ahead. So thankful. So God bless you. Have a great night. Love y'all. God bless you.